You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible is Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. This week, Father Paul explains that the prohibition, you may not take the name of God in vain, is a warning that you may not speak of God as though he exists only as a statue. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. This does not mean that God does not have his own heaviness, but it is through his heavy and unbearable teaching. You don't like him. Do as what Israel wanted to do at the beginning, to go back to Egypt. But then God behaved as a jealous God for his people. He is not jealous of his people. He is jealous of the other gods because they are fooling his people. And he is jealous for his own people. And he said, I understand what you're feeling, but we're going to proceed through 40 years in the wilderness and practically all of you will die and only the children who were born in the wilderness will reach the land. So the story in the land will have forgotten you. You will have disappeared. So that part you don't understand because you are not I. And that's why I'm forcing you to continue. Channel this face of God, which is his true face in the Bible. Read the book of Revelation and don't do as the born again and the Orthodox Apply it to the bad guys when you have bad stuff. No, no. Everything is applied to everybody. And then, very interesting, this shall not take the name of God in vain, le shawe, into nothingness. In other words, you cannot speak of God as though he is a statue who exists only as a statue, but cannot move, as the prophets will say later, cannot carry itself, you have to carry it. Whereas, as God says, in a, I carry you, you don't carry me. The second one, which is important again, which is the Sabbath, which is very strange, but once you have read the Bible twice, you realize its importance lies not in the rest that you don't do anything. There is something important you're supposed to do is to listen to the teaching of God so that you would do them, live them in the following days. Because on the coming seventh day, you're going to be judged on that. 
So that's the Sabbath. And notice one more time, the totality of creation. We shall meet this in the sabbatical year and the jubilee year. So please remember and don't consider the animals as your pets, your cat and your dog and so on. But now we're talking about all the animal kingdom. Notice, in it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your manservant or your maidservant. Notice, I like in the Bible when you have the masculine and the feminine together. Or your cattle. There you go. Which is behemah. Meaning the beasts, the large animals. And guess what? Or the sojourner who is within your gates. Even the gear. Remember in Joshua when the law is read to the children of Israel and also to the sojourners that were with them. That's why Paul said that the law clearly applies also to the so-called outsiders. And he slammed his Gentiles immediately with it. He was not nice to them. Remember how many times I say to you, why is Paul so unbearable? When he opens his mouth, he starts yelling. At the beginning, he captatio benevolentia, you are the saints of the Most High. That's fine. This is half a verse. But then he takes 16 chapters to yell at them. Why? Now you know why. Because it's no joke. Because the God he's bringing to the Gentiles is not like their statues in Athens and Sparta and Troy. No. Remember that famous lengthy chapter in the Acts of the Apostles regarding the Artemis, the sister of Apollo, the queen goddess of Ephesus that Paul made his capital. It's very powerful. And notice the reason, which is beautiful, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Notice, heaven, earth, the sea and all that is them. And here he is including the animals of the seas. And rested the seventh day. It's interesting that here the text on purpose, I'm convinced because what is written is always on purpose. He doesn't use the same verb he used in Genesis, which is Shabbat, which is from the same root as the word Shabbat, which means Sabbath. And there is a play on that. But here, interestingly, he uses the verb Nuah, and we talked about that when we discussed Noah. This rest that God gives to his creation instead of the judgment of destruction. So the blessing is the rest 
very important. Reread Genesis with the help of Richard Benton or Nikolai Rodi to understand the original Hebrew. And here, I believe it is important. Believe me, and that's for you personally, I'm convinced to bring to mind the covenant of Noah. Remember, the first covenant is the Noahic covenant. There is not a covenant with Adam that you hear about in theological jargon. Doesn't exist in the Bible. The covenant is made after something goes bad to correct it. And that fits totally with this inclusion of the animal that started a couple of verses earlier. Okay? Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And you have here a reflection of Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. But again, the main point, according to me, and that's why it's another example of the necessity of the original. You can't preach from translations. The Baptists do that because their conviction is that the KJV is inspired and the Orthodox made fun of them. But the Anglicans learn this from the Orthodox because the Orthodox say that the Septuagint is inspired. And obviously the Catholics and they add the Vulgate and so on. So your latest translation is inspired now. If it is inspired, why should you revise it every 100 years as you do in all languages? Just throw them to the fire. Teach the people from the original Hebrew. I'm not saying teach them in Hebrew. I'm saying to teach them the text, which happens to be in, and you have to add not just Hebrew, but in biblical Hebrew, which is basically consonantal. I was Skyping with my son Jalal yesterday. It was the birthday of his son. And then he said, what are you doing? And so on. So I shared with him and he said, oh, dad, I understand what you're saying. There is a student from Lebanon who's taking an advanced class in Arabic in Thailand in an international school where the teaching is in English. And she said to him, he is one of her teachers, is so darn difficult because obviously in the advanced class in Arabic, you are taught to read the way everybody reads the newspapers. There are no vocalic sounds. And the people read that and understand it. Why? Because I repeated, and let me get back to that one more time, and I'm going to bug you that until my last breath. There are no meanings of words. There are 
functions of a word within a specific sentence. And again, a few days earlier, I was sharing this with my son, Bassam, who is a writer, as most of you know, and he immediately, he on his own, he may have heard it in one of my podcasts, but does it matter? During the conversation, he said to me, Dad, this is like tear and tear. How do you know that T-E-A-R? And notice, it's a combination of consonants and vowels because in English, as in Greek and Latin, the vowels are letters, which is not the case in Semitic languages. But look at the example he came up with. How do you know? And you have to pronounce it correctly if you're reading to someone else. But the question, how do you know that now it is tear and not tear, which may appear two sentences later because the author may be linking your tears with your gown torn later. It had a tear in it. There you go, friends. I said it and you understood me. And I can't imagine any of you reacting with a but. There are no buts. There are buts only in underwears. But here we're talking business. What appears before your eyes is a sequence of letters, which again in the Hebrew are consonants, that have a function in the sentence. That's why we always teach the people when they are learning Arabic, don't rush to translate. You may not translate words. You translate sentences. And since sentences are within paragraphs and chapters, then technically you have the entire setting for you to realize if you made a mistake earlier. I remember what I went through when I had to correct my comments on Galatians chapter 2 when I was dealing with chapter 3 because I figured out that how I said earlier about the words in chapter 2 doesn't fit with the rest of Galatians and Galatians is one total epistle. That is exegesis, friends. and not a couple of sentences in English from here and there, and then you write a book in English published by Oxford University Press or Cambridge. That's, you should not be impressed with that. Because those authors, according to me, don't know what they're talking about. And not only according to me, but according to Mitchell The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.